Welcome to the Evo GK Podcast. Evo GK Podcast. What a save! We bring you the highs and the lows and lessons learned as we talk everything goalkeeping with some of the best in the business. For your ultimate goalkeeping fix, this is the podcast for you. With your hosts, James Howarth and Dominic Bilet. Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Evo GK podcast. We're joined by another huge character today in Paddy Kenny. But before we dive into that, Dominic, how are we? James, I'm good. And I'm glad that you've brought back the, the dive into that question. You've, you've got to play on it. it, was, it was you've high got demand. to play on the catchphrase, isn't it? It was, it was high demand, Dominic. That's you know? quite popular demand. That's what, yeah. it's what keeps the listeners coming. Absolutely. Hello to everyone listening at home. A goalkeeper gossip and a, a few cringy catchphrases. We'll try and get them in um, as well. But yeah, thanks for thanks for everyone listening so far. We've had a lot of views on uh, some amazing guests previous. So thanks for continuing to tune in. Keep interacting on the social media platforms. If there's anything you want to know, if there's anything you want to ask, we can do it. Uh, Paddy Kenny, massive character. And we've had a lot of Sheffield United fans in particular writing in. We'll try and get your questions out there as well. So yeah, it's an exciting one. I can't wait to talk to Paddy. He's, he's renowned as, being, uh, as, a, as a character. And uh, played at a lot of top clubs in, in a lot of moments, like the Aguero moment. We're going to ask him about that. Uh, so, yeah, I can't wait, James. Brilliant. And we're going to speak to Paddy about Sheffield United days, where he spent eight years there, Neil Warnock, his brand new book, The Gloves Are Off. And also, before we speak to him about that, though, we'd like to mention our good friends and main sponsor, Driven Marketing Services. And they're always um, happy to help businesses market other businesses. So, Absolutely. without further ado, Absolutely. I think, I think I should do the sponsor shout next time. I think that yeah, would be a bit of a better jingle. I think you could thing. do that better than me. I yeah. think our friend. Let's get the main man in, James. What do you think? Absolutely. Let's dive right in. Top man. Paddy, how are we? Are you all right? I'm good, thank you. Yourself? Yeah, absolutely fantastic and, and brilliant to have you on as well. Absolutely yeah, no worries. Looking forward to it. Brilliant. Paddy, you spent... Um, You've had a fantastic playing career, most notably, obviously, at Sheffield United and QPR. Um, you spent eight years at Sheffield United. What was your time like there? Yeah, uh, it was a massive club to go to. I moved from Bury, no disrespect to Bury, but uh, I went from Bury playing in front of two and a half, three thousand in a league game in a week. And, and the day I signed for Sheffield United, uh, we had a friendly at Baslow and there were four thousand there just for a friendly. So it was like, wow, here we go. Uh, so it was a massive club. Uh, I had an eight amazing, well, I say eight amazing years. I probably had seven amazing years in our, our band for my last year, really, there. So, but all my time there, really loved it. Got on well with uh, everybody. Uh, like I say, a bit of a fan's favourite at the time. Um, sort of changed a little bit when I left, but that's the reason I'm uh, sort of doing a book as well to come out and, and get my side across. But yeah, loved every minute of it there, and it's a special club. Uh, Still speak to a lot of people that work there and uh, got good connections with a lot of people there. Yeah, and as, as you mentioned there, Paddy, I know a lot of our sort of fan questions is from the Sheffield United fans and a lot of them, I know Dominic was telling me, obviously off air, one of his um, very close friends were actually named after you. So yeah. it's uh, amazing. Well, that's the new one then, because normally it's a dog or, or a cat. <laughs> <laughs> that's the new one. It's, at least it's a human being now, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, so it, it shows that obviously you're very still uh, very much thought of there as well. So that's fantastic. Yeah, it's good to hear. Yeah, yeah. definitely. And 
and obviously someone that was at your, at your time there as well and, and someone that's been prominent in uh, your career, um, and Neil Warnock, uh, a lot of people asking about him and asking your relationship. What was that relationship like? Yeah, really good. Uh, we got on from day one. Listen, we, we fought sometimes like cat and dog. I've come out and said this recently. But it was one of them, it was soon forgot. We forgot about it next day. We moved on. And that's what we liked about each other. Uh, I think if you ask him, one, it, I think it, when I moved to Rotherham, I just said, I, thought, I only went into as backup to Campion. Uh, and help him try stay up and be around changing rooms. But I just said, Gaffer, what was it that always made you want to sign me? He just said, I knew what I was going to get from you. I didn't need to worry. I knew I was getting a seven and a half, whatever. Well, I, well he said seven and a half. I was thinking more like five <laughs> out of ten every week. Uh, he said, I knew I had my little bits that you might have to deal with off the pitch with you, but, you know, I always had your back, and which he did. Uh, and I like to think over the time we've rewarded each other and, and uh, we've got a special relationship. And we still speak now to this day. What, what was, you say that probably why you wanted to sign it, what was it that you had for him that was that relationship that you liked working with him? What I had for him? Yeah, as, as, as a manager, what, what what was he different to other managers? As I just think he was where he was. He, he he was serious when he wanted to be. Uh, he'd have a laugh and a joke when we can. There were a time, the time when it's got to be serious. And So I've been with other managers where it's just, 24-7 serious and if you're laughing it's like as though you're, you're doing something wrong whereas with him he'd be in there having banter taking Mick out of everybody all the time at training interrupting middle of five aside, just blowing whistle and spoiling it and things like that and uh, yeah and it, 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 how he was as a manager uh, he's a very good man manager and I just loved his honesty towards me anyway I knew where I stood with him uh, and, and that's what I liked about him really yeah, that, uh, we, we've had a, a few guests mention that when we talk about different managers and obviously Alex Ferguson and they say that you've got to get on with the manager as a person take football out of it you, you know, how important is that the, the, the managers that you work with you can actually relate to them as a person before you even start going into the technical information the tactical information yeah it's, obviously it's, it just makes it easier when, especially when like you're following them around obviously I've followed Neil uh five times and, and obviously just when you're moving clubs it's nice because you know that person you get on with him it makes the move a lot easier than it probably could be if it was someone who was signing who didn't know you uh, and that's uh, yeah that's all I can say really on that um, so we're always trying to take our viewers back um, to a moment with a guest and we're going to go back for a moment with you with uh, I was going to do an Aguero impression of the famous time. <laughs> I bottled it, I'll be honest with you here. Um, obviously, it, it's a moment that gets reshown and shown and, and loads of City players. What was it like the whole day, and especially, obviously, the, the famous ending? What was it like on your end of it and, and your team's end of it? Yeah, I think people forget that we managed to stay up that day. Uh, yeah. And the fact that we won us last five home games of the season which kept us up. And, we, and it started off, we beat Liverpool 3-2, having been 2-0 down with 10 minutes to go. Next game, we beat Arsenal 2-1. Then we beat Tottenham 1-0. And, and then even going, then we beat, I think, Swansea, someone like, I forget who we beat then. And then we had Stoke, our last home game, and, we, and basically scored last kick at game to win 1-0. And Dribbio Cissé scored, and it were like, that's what made it us be able to lose the last game even and, and possibly stay up. Uh, and people forget that. And also chucking Chelsea, we beat Chelsea at home that season as well. So we had some frightening wins. And we were going there knowing it was going to be tough for us to get a win anyway. Uh, 
but we we were just concentrating on on us staying up, and and that's all that we were bothered about. No, no to do with winning the league or anything. We didn't care. Uh, our objective was to stay up, and and lucky enough, we managed to do that that, that day. And it was a special day as it turned out because obviously, with what happened at the end, meant that the whole stadium was celebrating. We were stopped staying up, and they were celebrating uh, obviously winning the title. Yeah, and I, and I think on that, you know, you're you're in that atmosphere, and no matter what the result, again, going going back to a lot of what guests said, even when the match hasn't gone their way, when it's a big occasion, when you look back on it, you think, oh, it was, it was great to be a part of it, great to be involved with it. I know we had Paul Johnson, you know, he had his 50th Welsh cap, and um, you know, even though they lost the game, it was massive to be a part of, and and you know, it's something that now is going to go the Premier League history, but obviously it's it's going to overshadow what you did to achieve to stay up. Yeah, definitely. And, and like you said, uh, we we were we were even con- we didn't even know Man United were winning. We did obviously we, we were what we were we were drawing one all. Went down ten men. Then we took a two one lead. I don't think they'd lost at home all season. Uh, so and, and we were winning two one with ten men. And I don't think we had to kick ball for about half an hour. Uh, and and then obviously. The ending that ended up happening, it was like you say, at the time you didn't realize, uh, and and then you look back, then obviously, what is it now, seven, eight, nine, eight years down the line? It's like, wow, that was a, a special day, do you know what I mean? But at the time, like you said, Paul George, you, you forget that it is a special day, but obviously, it's only a special day because of what happened that day, really. Yeah. Yeah, I know you mentioned um, Jubal Cissé as well there, Paddy. What, what was he like around the uh, dressing room? Because I remember him quite well from his time at Sunderland and he was always a colourful character. I mean, he was a big player, you know, obviously for Sunderland as well. And what, what was he like around the place? I think just what you said there, a colourful lad to have around. He, yeah. he, he was a good, nice lad. If he ever knew what he'd achieved, yeah. he was an unbelievable player, wasn't he? And he still was, even though he's had bad leg breaks and stuff like that. And he chipped up in with some important golfers. Like I said, our last home game of the season, uh, we beat Stoke one nil, 89th minute, and that obviously gave us the opportunity to be able to lose at City and possibly still stay up. Uh, and and just things like that. And like I said, he was a good lad. Uh, he was only there for a short space of time, but uh, it was just one of them. At least you, can, you know you can look back and say, well, he was a top player and you played football with him at some point in my career. Yeah, yeah there was a few characters there, because, I mean, Barton as well. Joey's not, he's not much of a character. <laughs> <laughs> quiet, quiet. Like, there's a few good French speaking impressions. So quiet. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, obviously, I'm looking forward to getting the Newcastle fan side in. Uh, I mean, everyone talks about Curry, but I mean, look at Joey Barton. And, you know, there's a lot of people come out now saying, well, that character side, he was a good footballer. I think like imagine Joey with? now, he was bad enough when playing in that in, back in 10 years ago, getting sent off. Imagine now, he wouldn't be. He'd missed 20 games a season, wouldn't he? Do you know what I mean? You can't touch him these days. Uh, Joe, great. great. Joe was another lad. Great lad to have in dressing room. Very vocal. A winner. Wore his heart on his sleeve. Uh, some player, by the way, as well. I think all his distractions off the pitch and on the pitch sometimes with sendings off took away how good he really was. He was a great player to play with. And, and like I said, he'd run through a brick wall for you. Sometimes he crossed that line, but I think that's what you expect expected from him but you knew what you were going to get sometimes off him well majority of the time anyway yeah no brilliant Paddy and as you've already mentioned as well about your book um, which is called for our listeners got that one in there didn't I yeah it took 30 seconds didn't it 
<laughs> yeah, but, so for our listeners that don't know, it's the uh, Gloves Are Off. Um, could you let our listeners know uh, what the book is about um, and there's any good stories in there that you could share? I hope there is. That's the one I'm going There's a lot of pictures. It's not a pop-up pictures in it. <laughs> no, seriously, yeah. No, it's going back, basically going from being a kid and at 15 being rejected by Halifax Town for being too small, saying I'd never make a goalie, to working my way up, just basically showing that it can be done out of a 20-year-old before I come a professional. And then all of a sudden, within a few years, then I'm playing for my country. And and it's, it's just everything that went off because it worked straightforward on and off the pitch. I had my problems on the pitch, I had problems off the pitch. And... and I had to bounce back a lot of times. I had to show what sort of character I were. A lot of positions I put myself in, I look back now, were my own fault. But it's all about learning, isn't it? And uh, sometimes, look, and I've spoken about a few times, probably a bit immature at times and put myself in positions that I shouldn't have been in. Uh, And and obviously stuff that go off in the dressing room, uh, training ground, trips away. Obviously, and then like I said... All my personal life, I had ups and downs, which were a lot public. But there's a, a lot of things in all that have come out about me that over the years that's not true. And like, for instance, just one instance, leaving Sheffield United, they all thought I left the money to go to QPR, and that wasn't the case. Obviously, I'm not, I can't go too much into it. Yeah. But I've put my story across because I obviously I, I returned back second league game of the season for QPR and got absolutely caned. So I'm hoping... Uh, my side of the story comes across and, and they realise that there is two sides and I didn't just jump ship after being banned for nine months and and that there were a reason why I did leave because uh, I didn't want to leave, if I'm honest. Well, uh, a lot of people who have been who will be buying that book um, have obviously wrote in with questions. There's a lot of Sheffield United fans wrote in for you, so we're just going to move into questions now, Paddy. Uh, thank you for everyone who's wrote in questions. We'll, we'll try and get as much asked as we can. Okay, so the first question, Paddy, is from Jack Neal and his granddad, Barry Marsh, who has been going to the Bramall Lane for nearly 50 years, and they just want to know, what was your best moment as a Blade? Ooh, tough one. Probably promotion. Uh, getting promoted in 2005-06 season, I think it was. Uh, definitely an amazing season. We had the worst pre-season you could ever imagine. I don't think we sadly scored a goal. We conceded loads of goals in pre-season. I don't think we won. And I remember being in China and we sat down having a beer and said, listen, we need to pull a finger out here or we could go down. And we went and started season, won nine out of ten. And they were like, wow, we've had the worst pre-season in the world and they've gone to win nine out of ten. It was just unbelievable. Uh, and yeah, it was a special season at Sheffield United that year and... Uh, uh, re- that was probably the moment, yeah, the, the promotion season for me. Yeah, I mean, do you think pre-season can sometimes be a curse? If you see, if you that the opposite effect, I'm sure some teams have, have had a great pre-season, then they go into the game with a full sense of security. Yeah, possibly. Uh, it was a massive wake wake up call for us. I know that because we sat there having a beer in China, saying we're going home tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> we could go down this year. Do you know what I mean? It's like you're going to start winning some games, and and I think, like you said. Sometimes it can be misleading because it's hard to get up for a friendly. It's like now it it must be hard for them not playing now in front of no crowd. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. you don't you ain't got that same buzz. Surely not. Well, I never did when playing friendlies or reserve team match. I just never got the same buzz as as coming out to 
10, 20, 30, 5, 40, whatever they were there and listening to the crowd and getting them gooses and, and that's what I loved. And, and yeah, definitely friendlies can be a bit misleading now. Yeah. I, I, I've always wondered and, and just a conversation with friends and something that always comes up when the pre-season chat comes up and you say, oh, don't worry. Is there any, as a professional, are you ever worried about getting injured or is that just a myth? As in, like, I don't want to get injured pre-season, so I'm going to take it half off. Is, is, is that a bit of a myth or...? Yeah, possibly, because you've got you've got to if you, you know what it's like if you go into any game half-hearted and any challenge, that's when you do get injured actually, yeah. rather than yeah. going fully. And and I think you've got to be a little bit careful. Uh, obviously, you're not flying into tackles fifty-fifty, but you know what I mean. But you've got to be a lot more wary. And and obviously, it's, it's more about getting fitness than than going around and sticking your foot in and stuff like that. Yeah, spot on. Okay, so thanks for that question. And this one's from Mikey Currens in Swindon. Uh, we've all seen the legend Neil Warnock in the dressing room, but uh, what is it like to be on the receiving end when Warnock's on a warpath? Thanks for that question, Mikey. Uh, sometimes you've got to just shut your mouth, but like I said earlier, I was one of these that if I didn't think I'd done anything wrong, I had to stand my ground and stick up for myself. And like I said earlier, many a times we had massive rugs between each other and, and we'd forgotten about it. I remember one time... I think we played Reading uh, away and I got beat by a Nicky Shorey free kick. He curled over the wall. It was always going away from me, left footed. I'd, I got my fingers to it and he's like, maybe maybe we need to start putting someone someone on the on the post. And I'm like, no, Gaffer, I don't want that because everyone drops in on you and, and, you, and you, well, listen, I'm in charge. You do what I say. So then all of a sudden, next three or four games, he's wanting someone on the post. And you know what it's like? Everyone drops in, don't they? And you can't restrict your view even more. And we were playing West Ham and I think we were 3-2 or something like that we were winning. And they had a free kicker and it was Sheringham and he took it with his left foot. And it was coming straight at me and Jag stuck his leg out it and went into a corner and we goes in change rooms end of the game and he's basically said, I've been and blind him. He's saying, why have you got someone on post? And I'm like, what are you on about? I said, that's your decision. He went, yeah, but it's Sheringham on his left foot. And I'm like, are we in a no-win situation? Because if, if I had a like... I was getting told off for leaving it as it were, but if I'd have said to Van Up Post, bugger off, it's only showing him on his left foot, and he kills it over the wall into the top bit, I'd have got hammered again. So I were in an own situation, and uh, that, that were a, a, a big rub between us. We had a big disagreement about that, but like I said, it was forgotten about next day, and we moved on. Was there many players who, I was going to ask, was there many players who, who still over him? And, and obviously, you were one of them who, who maybe by backwards something. Was there many players that slow up or did most people just sort of take it on the chin? I think it depended who, who they were, the character. Chris Morgan had stand up to him, Keith Gillespie. You know, your, your characters who, who could have a nibble and they wouldn't take it to heart. You had certain players who you had to be a little bit, yeah, even he knew we had to be a little bit careful with because they couldn't take it. Yeah. And I think sometimes you like to dig players out just to get a reaction out of you yeah. and stuff like that as well. That's porn. Okay, and this one is from Daniel Hardy in Newcastle, and he's asking, how far does he think Dean Henderson will go, and is he good enough for the Man United uh, number one shirt right now? Well, I think he's proved uh, this season uh, how good he is. He's still a baby in goalkeeping terms. He's 23, 24. So in goalkeeping terms, I was into my 30s before I felt like I were bang at it, do you know what I mean? And but he's playing at the top level, gaining experience, so it's all looking good for him. Whether he's going to be good enough to play for Man U, I don't know. That's something probably further down the line. Uh, I'd like to think if 
he's not going to get a chance at Man United. He'll stay at Sheffield United if that's a possibility and and keep and keep playing in Premier League and and, and keep gaining that experience. But uh, it's not bad. <laughs> to be fair to him, he's not done too bad. What, what do you think of the the, the current team then? Uh, what, the current Sheffield United team. What, what do you think of, of them? Yeah, team? really good. They, they play obviously. Chris Wilde plays a certain way, and, and a lot of teams have struggled. I know they've come back now since since the break, and and they've not had the best results. Uh, they've been unlucky. They should have won at Villa. Newcastle were nil nil, went out to ten men, and then they conceded quite early, and then they're chasing the game with ten men, which is difficult. Man U were poor. But I think before all this, I think they should have won yesterday against Arsenal. They were really unlucky in FA Cup. Uh, but before all this happened, they were, they were playing some really good football and, and teams were struggling against them and struggling. I, don't, I think they've been out of London and played a lot of top sides and not even lost yet. Yeah. I think they were unlucky with like the sort of momentum. And obviously yeah, they had that momentum. It's sort of taking away. And then obviously that momentum. If they'd have won at Villa, you just don't know. Everything's different. But they had that goal. It should have been a goal. It weren't given. And, and mentally, it can probably do you in a bit. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, the, the prime Sheffield United in, in, in your time, Paddy, did they beat the current squad or no? Fancy yourself. In a fight, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't know. They play some. We we played different. Listen, we played different ways. We were a bit more direct in my day under Warnock. He's a bit more direct. He likes you to get it forward and play in their half. I think Sheffield uh, they can play some good football. They have to. They do go a little bit direct when they have to, but they play good football. So uh, I don't know. It's a tough one. I don't. I think they might be as if I'm honest. Well, say you go with you, buddy. Go with you. There's no one here So. Absolutely brilliant. Thank you to everyone who sent in your questions there. Um, some great answers. And obviously, if you want to know more about them stories, then you need to buy the book. Yeah, buy that book. We'll just put it in there again yeah. for you. Oh, did I mention that I've got a book coming out? <laughs> <laughs> Forgot about that. Uh, spot on. So, last question, Barry, is, is one we asked all guests. Yeah, and it, it, it's just have you got any advice for any young goalkeepers out there who, who want to achieve the things that you are? Hard work, determination, uh, never give up. I had a dream. I got knocked back and, and, and proved people wrong. Uh, I just think it's hard work. You work hard and you get rewarded. To, and that's key to a lot of things, if you ask me. Absolutely fantastic advice. Well, it's been amazing talking to you. Um, some, some great insights for all, all fans, young goalkeepers out there, coaches, everything. So thanks again for coming on. No worries. Anytime. Thank you very much, Paddy. Absolutely. No and he's got a book out. He's yeah. got a book. <laughs> let's, let's get his books out, Paddy. Not on permission. Or you want to ask that? Verticaleditions.com, Amazon. <laughs> Spot on. Brilliant. Well, we hope you've all enjoyed that uh, listening at home. And thank you very much. And we will catch you later. What a day! Thank you for listening to the Evo GK Podcast with your host, James Howarth and Dominic Bylet. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast. Evolve with evolution.